0: Welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Nate Rifkin has prospered by combining ancient mystical practices with modern strategies for living. Nate used to be suicidal and drank alcohol every morning to get through the day. He dropped out of college, went broke, bankrupt, and even worked on street corners, waving around a sign to afford rent and food. Wow. But he's managed to turn his life around, find love, and now has an incredible life. His secret? a practice from the spiritual tradition of Taoism. Nate has published a book on this ancient practice called The Standing Meditation, Excel in a Modern World Using an Ancient Practice. As a leader in the field of business, he has written marketing campaigns that have generated tens of millions of dollars in sales. Nate lives in Golden, Colorado with his lovely wife. He publishes his articles at naterifkin.com. Nate, it's a pleasure to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio.
1: Hey, Casey, I'm honored to be here, and I'm yeah, I'm excited with what uh, we can talk about. I hope I can uh, really change someone's life.
0: I I think you can. I'm sure you will. And let's start by changing their physical location. This is your time to shine. <laughs> you live in Colorado. Um, I'm I'm still have my application into the Colorado State Board to to get funding for this show. I'm trying to send everybody out that way and away from utah we are getting way too crowded salt lake is becoming denver and so i want you to just talk a little bit about how great denver is convenient airport there's never any traffic you can get to you know Vail ski resort in like 10 minutes like that's what it's like right
1: oh yeah 10 minutes yeah you know uh i really appreciate how you want to publicize wyoming and talk about how great it is to move to wyoming laramie I, is amazing I, it, it almost sounded like you said Denver. I don't know why you said that. Because well, t- <laughs> t- 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 <laughs> t- <laughs> I tell you, this Wyoming place. It's I tell you, idea. <laughs> open space.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go there. Go to Laramie. I remember yeah. this was probably a few years ago. It was a Sunday morning. Um, I had driven to Denver and I needed to leave. So I thought, like, okay, I know ski traffic's pretty bad on 70. So I'm gonna leave at like 5:30 to beat the traffic. <clears throat> and I dude, I was parked. Yeah. on I-70 for hours. is was crazy.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it, we joke about it, but that's, it's kind of a thing now. I mean, if there's so many people there that, that you have to like meticulously plan your ski adventures. It's, we're just in a new world.
0: That's crazy. Well, you live yeah. in Golden and it has one of the best pizza places I've ever been to. So let's plug Woody's. What a great place to post up and have a pint and have a slice. Like what a great spot you live in.
1: Yeah. It's like a, I think it's still a buffet style thing. So it's just like, I don't know what they're trying to pull there, but yeah. Also, although I will mention that place also incredibly crowded now, like there is a waiting list all the time. Wow. That's
0: crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, well, tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up?
1: Uh, I grew up in Massachusetts um, and was absolutely miserable. And, uh, actually it's kind of interesting because when I was, um, I forget how old I was, but I was, I was, I was pretty young. I was like pre teenager. I saw the movie dumb and dumber, um, and Harry, the characters in dumb and dumber, Harry and Lloyd, like they, uh, go on an adventure, a cross country road trip and they end up in Aspen. And that movie is what inspired me originally to move to Colorado. Wow. Uh, I mean, of course, they they go to Aspen. It's a movie. So, of course, like, oh, wow, Colorado looks great. Well, yeah, but it's still inspired. That's what happened. That's what inspired us.
0: That's hilarious. Uh, That John Denver's full of shit.
1: unlike them, I managed to stick to like I 80 or whatever. And I Whoa. got there on time. That's but, yeah. great.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. What a, what a great link. We haven't talked about Dumb and Dumb and on our show and I'm I'm really glad we have now. Um, boom, you, you said it. growing up, boom, did it. You said growing up was pretty rough. Like what, what things were you experiencing as you were growing up?
1: You know, I mean, I, I had parents that were just really, really emotionally cut off and they, they just had their own issues. They, They honestly, they didn't love each other. Um, and they were not really equipped to raise children at all. So my dad was very, very absent. I mean, he was around and he, he worked and he provided. I mean, I think, I think underneath it, he was a, he's a decent person. He's a good person. He definitely is today. Um, but he just, he just didn't really want children and he decided to just not be involved in the, in raising children at all, not emotionally, not interact, not play around really, which I guess in his mind, it's like, well, you know, I don't want to screw them up. I'll just kind of remain neutral, but it was really devastating. Um, I didn't get how devastating that was until I was older. And my mother was, she was just a very angry kind of hostile woman. So I grew up being angry and I got more and more depressed. And I was, I was a socially awkward person. Like, um, and it, the older I got, the worse it got. Like through mm-hmm. high school, um, I, I just became more depressed because in my mind, I'm just like, everyone else is having these, hap- in my mind, it's like everyone else has these happier lives. Everyone's kind of becoming more mature, developing themselves, you know, dating, going to the prom and all that. And I, I, I thought I was a total loser. Um, some of that was just my own skewed perception. Cause we always like, look at the grass is greener, you know, and the people are, are happier and more successful on the other side of the fence. Um, but uh, some of that was actually legitimate just because I, I kind of had that stumbling, uh, childhood. Um, so I thought everything would change when I went to college because I'm like, okay, I'm going to be in a new town. I, I, I went to UMass Amherst. That's where I ended up going, uh, which is also in Massachusetts, but it was, it was in Eastern Mass- Massachusetts. So I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'll be around total strangers, new people. I can start over because they don't know me. I mean, uh, they don't know my history. I, I can, I can transform myself. Well, my first day on campus and it's this gigantic campus. It's like 18,000 students live on there. It's, it's like a small town or an average size town It's huge. Um, I, I the, my first day there, I realized how wrong I was because I could move somewhere else and I could get around new people. But I was still that same awkward guy carrying around this like dark cloud of self hatred. Um, so I I actually decided, as speaking of um, owning, you know, because you uh, have your own business helping people get in shape and healthy out there in Utah. I actually want to go down a similar path. Um, I didn't know what. Maybe a personal trainer, or maybe like a gym owner, or maybe selling products online. But I want to be kind of self-employed or an entrepreneur in some way, and 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 in the health niche because lifting weights is kind of my like my one uh, oasis in all of this misery
0: because
1: mm. it, it felt good. It was a, it was a solitary activity for me, and it felt really good, and it and it was sort of like my doorway into like being able to change yourself. Um, so. I was thinking and thinking and thinking about all and I decided to drop out. I dropped out of college after three semesters. I mean, I packed up my things in the middle of the year, said goodbye to nobody. I mean, nobody knew I was even probably gone at that point. Cause it's just UMass is just a sea of people. And I never, never really developed any friends. Um, and I, I dove into self-help big time. Um, and I, I, I bought it all hook, all of it, hook, line and sinker, like everything that, um, you know, any self-help guru would publish. It's like, you know, I, I started setting goals. I cut out the things from magazines and got a glue stick and made a vision board. Um, I mean, when people came over to my condo, I like took the thing down and hit it because I was just so embarrassed about having <laughs> a vision board. But, but, um, and, and I, I did the positive thinking thing. I did affirmations. I'd stare at myself in the mirror and say them. My you know, if my neighbor heard me, they probably thought I was nuts. Um, but, and here's the thing, none of that really, I was missing something because I did not achieve a single goal. I set, and I worked hard. I actually started a business uh, with my older brother selling yoga products online where I handled all the business stuff and I used all my personal credit and I got deeper and deeper into debt. Um, and I, I I was so bitter and frustrated that all the self-help wasn't working. And dude, I was a lonely guy. Like I, I didn't have any friends. I couldn't get a date to save my life. My life just kind of sucked. And by the way, this is after I moved to Colorado. So I'd kind of, at least I'd done that. I'd kind of set off and started my dream adult life um, and got away from the East Coast, which just didn't resonate with me. Mm. And um, I started drinking alcohol every morning. Um, uh, I I drank like, I don't know what, it was like a couple of shots of vodka. Um, and I mixed it with an energy drink. So that was like my breakfast every morning. Um And that was like the low point of my life. That was like my, it, it, it went on for a while, but that was kind of like my rock
0: bottom. I don't remember seeing vodka and energy drinks on part of this complete breakfast next to like the orange juice and like the <laughs> cereal. Like, yeah, that's, I, I mean that sounds so isolated and, and lonely. So what happened? Like, how did you get yourself out of that mess? I mean, how much debt were you in? Um, you know, I
1: tried to look up how much debt I was in like when it got to the worst. I mean, but it was, it was over a hundred thousand dollars. Um, I, I can tell you that. Um, I wish I actually tried uh, a spoiler alert. I later went bankrupt. So I tried looking up my bankruptcy, like filing and all that. Cause I mean, Hey, that stuff's public record. So if anyone wants to snoop around, they could (laughs) could look up my bankruptcy. It's it was in Denver County. um, But yeah, it was like six figures. I mean, cause I would get to the point where, I would max out a credit card, and I I would spend it on, it, it could be a, a, it was usually a business expense, like I, I would max it out buying advertising or something like that, and then when it came time for the minimum payment, I mean, this is my fault, like, uh, the bill would come, and I would just dump it on the floor and, and cover it up with other mail and
0: yeah. forget about it. Wow.
1: And eventually, you get sold to debt collectors. I had a cop show up at my door and knock on the door, and, and I opened it. It was the Boulder Sheriff. Um, or one, I don't know if there's more than one sheriff or his, uh, deputy or something. It was one of them. And he handed me an envelope. He's like, oh, hi. He's very friendly. He's just like, oh, it's nothing bad. So I take the envelope. I'm like, oh, thank you. And he, and he leaves. And I immediately like, tear this thing open. And it, it was one of the debt collectors working with the state of Colorado. And they they'd filed a lawsuit against me. Wow. And I'm like, this is bad. Wow. So they didn't they didn't actually want to drag me to the court. They just wanted me to they they cuz they included a little note in it saying like just sign this and pay us and pay us on time and and we'll drop your case. So wow. I'm like,
0: "Yes, sir." Wow. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's crazy. I've been in credit card debt before and I I would say fairly deep credit card debt. And it is one of the most soul crushing difficult yeah. things to pull yourself away from. I mean, I would do the same thing. I would like hide the bills and pay the minimum and, and not want to know like the full scope of things. It's pretty difficult.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was, I absolutely relate. I was in the same spot. Um, and it's, it's awful because that's exactly how you get into this like death spiral. Um, because looking back, I mean, if I had, look, all I had to do was just pay the minimum on time. That would have, I still would have been in a terrible spot, but at least that's manageable. Um, but by ignoring it, that's, I mean, that's how people just wreck their financial lives, just wreck them. Cause I, I, I wrecked mine, um, I know that there is a happy ending that I eventually climbed out of it, but it did require a lot of time mm. um, because of the little errors I made. Like, not uh, the minimum payment was thirty nine bucks. That's a, that's a small error to to not pay it, but it adds up to something awful. Wow. Um, but but anyway, as uh, as uh, to your question, how did I climb out of it? So. I eventually got really bitter and frustrated, especially when I was, I was drinking every morning, because I'm just like, you know, I see people all the time and they build successful businesses and I don't see them like doing affirmations and stuff. Like some, I, I read biographies of business moguls and famous people. It's like some of them set goals and some of them didn't, you know? It's just like, so wait, what what is going on here? And I, I'd i even dabbled in like meditation and stuff. And I don't know. Just it just wasn't working for me, so I had one business like mentor that I I was going to like meetups where he taught like marketing and advertising, Um, and and as as it was like a quarterly like meetup mastermind situation, and I what I didn't know is that he actually had a a very spiritual side to him as well, and he was um, really into a spiritual tradition called Taoism, Um, and he started teaching taoist meditation um and this is someone who would you know he learned he spent a lot of time in china so he he learned some pretty cool information and something about it caught my eye um it was just that honestly it 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 sounded really exotic and really cool and really secret which appealed to me um and i i decided you know what this is so different from everything else I tried, but I really like the idea of doing like really, really deep inner work. So I'm going to try this out. Um, and at the very least, Hey, maybe I'll feel some cool, like uh, reactions in my body because of energy or something like that. I don't know what's going to happen, but it sounds cool. So I started doing it. I started doing like 60 seconds a day. Um, Cause it's, it's a the first meditation you taught me was done standing up with, with your knees unlocked. Um, and that made my thighs burn like crazy. So I started with 60 seconds. And I added five seconds a day. And interesting thing happened was that I actually started feeling good. Like in my body, I started feeling good. Um, and I started feeling such a buzz over time. And this was after days, a few weeks of practice. I started feeling such a buzz that when I took a morning, like my drink of vodka and an energy drink, um, it didn't actually make me feel any better. Uh, it actually just made me feel drunk. Like it didn't, I was already buzzing. So I actually stopped drinking in the morning. Um, and this is, I mean, this is just my story. It's just what happened to me. I don't know how anyone else would react, but that's what happened to me. Um, and I actually left that bottle of vodka in my freezer until I moved out of my condo. I just didn't touch the thing again. Um, so I knew I was onto something and other people started noticing the difference in me who didn't know I was doing any kind of new meditation practice, but, but they're just like, Hey, Nate, you're looking more confident. You seem brighter. So that's what I'm just like, I am onto something here. Um, and I actually, since, since it was the only thing that had ever really worked for me, I just grew, I like to say healthily obsessed with it. Cause, um, I decided to dedicate my life to studying it and practicing it and figuring out what works and what doesn't. Um, and that was how I started to inwardly turn my life around. My life was still kind of a, uh, a mess from there to clean up, but that's that's how the inner part started to turn around.
0: Wow. I came across this work when a friend of mine recommended the book, The Untethered Soul. And there's an entire chapter about this book, this ancient Chinese, you know, writing, um, you know, thousands of years old and the kinds of concepts that were in it. And it was the first time I was introduced to the book, the Tao Te Ching. And I would love for you to talk about that and also talk about some of the concepts that are contained in Taoism, because I find them very fascinating and really practical and helpful.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. The Tao Te Ching is an amazing book. Um, it's very, it's very short. Um, it's, it's a collection of 81 verses. The, um, I mean we don't know for sure but it's attributed to uh, a man named Lao Tzu um, and is written thousands of years ago um, so the Tao Te Ching is a very interesting work because it stresses the idea that there is a Tao there there's a way to all of existence and if you if you adapt if you align yourself with this way uh, you thrive um, and if you go against this way you you suffer and you uh, it, this could be in the form of ill health or it could be in the form of um, you know issues with your mind or your emotions actually a really great way to think of it is um, in Star Wars the force you know may the force be with you that's like the Dao um and in fact it's, it's interesting Star Wars has a lot of taoist um, illusions so if, if anyone's into Star Wars um, understand that you're actually kind of getting uh, uh slipped in a lot of Taoist philosophy with those movies um now what's interesting i'm i'm glad you brought up that book because what's interesting about it is, is not just a book of philosophy it's not just a book of advice on how to live embedded within it are a lot of principles of Taoist meditation and it's very fascinating because there's a verse and i i off the top of my head i don't know which verse it is but it's it's been translated. Um, Usually, as you know, the uh, a key to um, healthy living or the way that a person truly lives well is um, is to have is to focus not on like uh, energy in their head or energy like all all over like an open heart. It's it's for it's to have a full belly. It's like not to, it's not to have a full mind. It's to have a full belly. So a lot of people translate that as oh yeah yeah you got to get out of your head and just focus on the simple things and nourish yourself. Actually, it, that could be true, but it's also talking about deep breathing. Um, it's also talking about imagining energy being in that lower center of your body and rooting yourself there and breathing into your belly. So originally it was probably written as as something like you know focus on your belly and nourish your belly and draw energy there. And then someone came along several decades ago and translate that as eating. Mm. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a very in-depth, really cool book. Um, yeah. And uh, and it's, and I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought it up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, some of the concepts contained in there are just, a lot of them go over my head, but the ones that connect are just so enriching and imply and apply to so many things in life. Um, in the untethered soul, they give the example of the pendulum and the pendulum swings from one direction to the other. And the way is, is, you know, kind of compared to being the middle. And it's like, you almost find the middle by finding your edges. Like, is it good to eat? Like, yes, it, you should, you should eat. Is it, good to eat a ton and be super full and get sick. Like, no, that's not good. And somewhere in between is the middle. That's the middle way. And you find your extremes and slowly dial in. And as that happens, the pendulum starts swinging less and less. And when it's centered, that's where all the energy and power of, of Dow comes from. Is that, is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many, there's so many applications while you were saying that I was just thinking of how now, you, you're you're the uh, expert on this compared to me but when it comes to um physical training training your body there's a certain level of excitement and, that you want like you want your net central nervous system to be jazzed up but you don't want to be out of control you want a certain amount of tension but sometimes if if there's too much tension used inappropriately you're counteracting the force you want to apply to move the weight um And even when you're doing a meditation, uh, you want to align your body. You want to keep your spine straight uh, and vertical, sitting or standing. And oftentimes, teachers, what they'll do is they'll teach, okay, lean forward a little bit so you can feel how you fall out of alignment. Now lean back a little bit to see how you fall out of alignment. And what's interesting is most people, they usually fall forward too much, and they're not falling backward enough because we're usually sitting in front of screens or looking Mm -hmm. at our phones. And then from there, you are able to more naturally find the true center where you're balanced. And because you felt what it was like to be unbalanced, you have a greater awareness of of how balance um, actually feels and the power it can bring.
0: I love that. That's a great comparison. Um, I think that's one that can be really helpful for people as well. My wife does a form of myofascial release um, with her clients and helps immensely with people's pain and injuries. And we definitely work with a lot of people who are sitting in front of computers all the time and how that affects the body and affects what you mentioned, the tension, the tension in the body is improperly placed. And she works, because she works with myofascia so much, um, she, you know, she does a lot with anatomy trains. And so down in the area where she is, you know, helping her people, we have several posters that show all these different anatomy trains inside the body, connecting the toe all the way up to the tongue or a system that goes all the way across the body. And people are always like astonished that like everything is connected to everything. And it's all, it's all part, like, it's all part of the mind body connection. It's right there. That's why that alignment is so important. Would you agree?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, if the what you talk about in terms of fascia um when when you train in a in a standing meditation or when you train in tai chi or some kind of Taoist martial art um part of the teaching is to learn to feel how when you move your arm and your hand in a certain way you're actually stretching the fascia all the way down to the opposite leg um, and it, and and the idea is you you really want to feel this because when you're moving in that way that's how you're able to move yourself as a single unit um and it's it's key to it's key to kinesthetic awareness when it comes to your uh, opponent but also in in a solo meditation when you're trying to relax and get into your body rather than be stuck in your head so yeah the the fascia is crucial and there's i mean there's some amazing science coming out uh, showing how fascia is intertwined with the ancient taoist idea of meridians um and i used to think as like well meridians i don't know that sounds like something that you know people came up with before we had microscopes and before we had um more modern understanding of anatomy but it's actually there's there it's it's actually like that was their way of figuring out Channels that were in uh, the, our fascia tissue, so it, it it's super cool, and and I love I love geeking out on stuff like this because it 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 increases my faith in the value of of these studies, which increases the results that I get, and I, I think that's true for for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. I love that. I mean, it seems <laughs> it seems like the microscope. It, yeah, it's great. It's a technological you know evolution and something we made, which is great, and we've learned so much from it. But it's also like all of these different traditions and cultures around the world, they, they'd never had contact with each other, but they all had really similar ideas, whether it's chakras, you know, you, you talk about, you know, the Tao, it could be spirit. It could be, um, you know, anything that comes from these cultures, they all seem to have something very similar. Stoicism in, in, you know, ancient Rome, like they, they all kind of found similar things at the very least.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my teachers, uh, uh say, uh, say in a beautiful way, they say, you know, we're all, walking up the mountain. Now we may, one person may be walking up one side, another person walking up another, but as we get closer to the top, our paths actually start to line up. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it is pretty cool how all these ancient civilizations, they all kind of, they have different language and they have different flavors, but they're all kind of figuring out the same stuff.
0: Mm, I love that. So how does a Taoist perceive life? Like what, what makes Taoism unique, even though it's similar to all these things? Like what, how, how is it? How would a somebody who follows the way, how would they react in life to different situations? You
1: know, that's, that's a great question. The, the essence of Taoism is seeking harmony through balance. Um, and when I, when I started learning about Taoism, I was kind of like, I was kind of turned off at first um, because it just seemed like it to, to my kind of mind. It, my mind wasn't as open as it could have been. Um, it seems like, well, a lot of this is just common sense or, you know, a lot of this it's like, well, that's that's all fine and good, but what? So you want me to, like, kind of balance myself and stuff? It's like, okay, great. So what I love about Taoism, though, is that lay, I, I, I kind of mentioned, alluded to this a little bit before, is that layered within the philosophy are practical applications. Um, and Taoists were very big on starting with the physical body and using it as a metaphor for living and developing your physical body in a way that would help you thrive in life. It's it's like I mentioned earlier in the Tao Te Ching, it's not just a uh, a poem uh, on 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 philosophy but there are applications on on how to actually breathe. So what I, what I love about Tao is that you know if there's a problem in life they're they're probably going to say okay great how's your breathing? You know, are you breathing into your belly? Are you imagining energy in your belly? Are you relaxing your muscular tissues when you when you meditate? Um, are you able to carry this relaxation and deep breathing into your daily life? Um, because they were really big on the fact that when you breathe deeply and when you relax and when you when you integrate this into your meditation, um, instead of just maybe like sitting there daydreaming, um, you are working at uh, dissolving emotional blockages. Um, And that's what happened to me. I didn't know it at the time, but when I was feeling a buzz, when I was feeling better um, and I eventually stopped drinking in the morning, it was because I was dissolving the emotional blockages and residue and hangups and self-sabotage that was created in my childhood. And I was finally going beyond the surface chatter of my mind and getting to it and digging into it and resolving it. And sometimes it was a painful process, but it felt like a really, really productive process. Um, And as as a result of that, that's why um, Taoists are pretty big on living in a natural way. But the way to live in a natural way is to resolve these inner issues through a daily discipline of meditation. So then when you're able to interact in the world, That's when the Tao's philosophy of, hey, just, you know, just act naturally, you know, do through not doing. That's when that comes to life, because when you rid yourself of your emotional hangups with the discipline of meditation, there's no you eliminate your self-sabotage. When you eliminate your self-sabotage, your actions will be natural. And when your actions are natural, that's when you're in the flow of the Tao and you feel like you're not doing because you're in the flow, and we've all been there when we're in a creative zone where we may be working hard, like a great workout. It may be effortful, but we feel like we're freaking flying. That's non-doing. Um, so it's it's a it's a philosophy that you could study, but it's something you're meant to embody. And the the meditative practices are how you start. To, it's it's sort of like the on-ramp to embodying it.
0: Mm. Wow. Well, I think the non-doing thing. We have a great um, kind of modern example. Um, he is animated, <laughs> subject of a book about Taoism as well. But can you talk about the role of Winnie the Pooh as being a wonderful example of how to live a Taoist life?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it's it, it, it's really beautiful, and I love it. And I just I just I really love the fact that um, the author created that as a way to sort of introduce Taoist philosophy especially to children and i think it's cool because a big part of Taoism is the idea that your acquired emotions um if they're chronic can really get in the way of you thriving like you've got Eeyore, um the i guess what is he a mule i think um he uh, is very sad um and you have piglet who's scared um and you have the owl, who is always, uh, uh, as I recall, like overthinking things. Um, and that's, by the way. So what's interesting? I'll I'll dive a little deeper into that. So the Taoists call all of these your acquired emotions, um, and they're not part of your original soul. They're things that they have some use, but you're meant to actually be able to release them to be able to overcome with them. They're not, they're not meant to actually, you know, hold you by the nose and guide you everywhere. Like, like if you're constantly worried about something. So um, and they're all connected to certain organs. Um, So uh, uh, sadness is connected to your lungs. Um, Worry is connected to uh, your spleen on pancreas. and actually, um like oh like uh, uh, overthinking things, over excitement, like being constantly like uh, dwelling on something and kind of being disorganized as a result. Um, that's your heart. So the idea in Taoism is that uh, everything like fear and worry and anger, they can be useful to a certain extent because they can alert you if something's wrong. Like if you're under attack, If you feel anger for a second, that could be useful because you need to defend yourself. But beyond that, you need to let let go of the emotion, both because it could wreck your life if you lead your life based on your worries or your fears, and also because it can wreck your health because when these negative emotions get stored in your body, they can lead uh, to pain and they can lead to health problems. Um, So I love how Winnie the Pooh presents all that because the story embodies characters with these traits. And shows you um, the folly of following them. Now, the key is how how do you be like Winnie the Pooh? Um, so that's where I, uh, another character that I love uh, that really presents the Taoist way is Yoda from Star Wars. Um, Yoda was really big on now what is what's the training to get there, and it and it comes through uh, discipline and it comes through getting into your body and out of your head and it comes through meditative training. So it's super cool. How this stuff comes out and kind of, you know, uh, modern stories.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, you have to apologize to Bethany because now I'm going to watch the whole trilogy, the original trilogy of star Wars and she hates it. And I'm going to do it since you mentioned it (laughs) twice. So I got to apologize to her. Um, you mentioned, um, kind of like different traits and, and changing things about our bodies. And I want to read something from, um, from Winnie the Pooh that I really loved. And it, it goes, by the time it came to the edge of the forest, the stream had grown up. So that it was almost a river and being grown up, it did not jump and run or sparkle along the way it used to when it was younger, but moved more slowly for it now knew where it was going. And it said to itself, there is no hurry. We shall get there someday. And, I I think that's so beautiful. And I love the concept of like, there's things we can change and do along the way, but yeah, there's other things that are helpful that we can, we can manipulate and use them for. And we don't need to do all the work so hard right at the beginning. You can go through life and kind of slow down and appreciate things more and have the confidence that you'll get there one day. You don't need to, you don't need to be so harsh on yourself with some of the traits that you feel like you need to, you know, change or make better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's it's a really beautiful lesson. And the cool part is it's such a, a multi-layered metaphor because it applies to your health. It applies to your relationships. Um, it applies to business. Um, I mean, it applies to so many things. I mean, heck, it applies to dating. I mean, if if a guy runs around desperate to get a date, guess how many he's going to get? I could, I could speak from experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it applies to business because when it comes to building out, um, you know, word of mouth, uh, it, it, it requires the patience to be able to deliver such an amazing result to clients that when the time is appropriate, they'll tell another client. And when that time is appropriate, they might tell another client and, and patience is also required. I mean, my book, I I took three years to write it, um. And I actually threw out the first draft entirely and started over. Wow. This is, yeah. And, and I reflected on how this was not a book I could have written in my 20s. Um, I I had to wait uh, for 10 years after I began walking this path in order to even start working on this book. And I had to keep, you know, rewriting it, and rewriting it because I was changing as I was writing it. So, they, it, and it's it's a hard lesson for people to get i think especially younger people i certainly ignored the lesson um but time is required for your you to reach your full potential uh your body is going to adapt at its own pace you you can't berate a wound into healing faster you mm-hmm. you can't i mean how many how many guys do you know who are like nineteen or twenty who want to like put on how many gargantuan slabs, uh, of pounds of muscle. And it's just like, look, you, there are certain physical parameters to your body. It's going to happen at a certain pace. Um, your feelings don't matter. <laughs> they yeah. don't, they're not going to make a difference. Um, but they do matter in the sense that you can sabotage the process, um, by trying to go too fast. So, that's why you know, Taoists will often deliver their lessons in paradoxes. It's like you, you by slowing down, you go faster. Well, why is that? Because when you slow down, you don't self sabotage, um, and and it even it even applies to a, a physical context. Because when you slow down to the point of stillness and meditation, that's when you can transform yourself the fastest, even if it seems like you're not going anywhere and you're not doing anything, mm. but all is being done because it's being done beneath your conscious awareness.
0: Mm. That is so well said. One of our favorite quotes is, um, smooth is slow, slow is fast. <laughs> I think that, yeah, definitely that, see, that is,
1: yeah. Some Taoism straight up. It's beautiful.
0: I don't know where we stole that from. I don't know if it was like a formula one driver or something, but we just absolutely loved it.
1: <laughs> you... <laughs> well, that's okay. These, you know, these mystical traditions, like they were like invading other temples and like stealing stuff for thousands of years. So it's just like, <laughs> I love, you know, I love it when you, you read about Buddhism and Taoism. It's like, those guys were like, you know, partying and sharing ideas for thousands of years. So it's just like, it was never unmixed, you know?
0: Yeah, sure. Wow. Well, you mentioned your book, The Standing Meditation. So my first question is, what is The Standing Meditation for the listener? And um, the second question would be, when did you decide that you had to tell the story and you had to write this book?
1: Um, so The Standing Meditation is a foundation of, of Taoism and Taoist meditation. So it's 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 how you stand in a certain way and you get into a meditative state. And by standing in a certain way, you open up your, the idea is you open up your meridians and you open yourself up to ground yourself in the earth while also opening yourself up to, as the Taoists would call it, the, the heavens, the heavenly energy. Um, so the basics of how you stand is your feet would be straightforward and you position your feet outside the edges of your shoulders. So it's, it's a pretty decently widespread to your feet. Um, you tuck your hips forward. It's like you rotate them down and forward. Here's the way I like to say it. Imagine you're sitting on a a very high bar stool, like a really high one. It's like, you could barely clear it in order to do that. You kind of have to like nudge your, your butt under you and tuck your hips in order to just kind of prop yourself onto it. So by doing that, you have to unlock your knees slightly. And this is what I was talking about earlier when it came to like, you know, my thighs started burning when I was practicing this. Um, And then um, you hold your arms out in front of you like you're hugging a big old tree or you're holding a really big beach ball and you tuck your chin down. So what is this doing? All these, it seems like, well, these are a lot of bunch of weird little steps. What it does is it lengthens uh, and stretches and straightens your spine. So what you're doing is you're standing in a way where, when you do this, you'll start to feel physically feel more connected to the earth. Um, because what's going on is you're, you're able eventually to release your muscular tension and still hold this posture. Um, at first, your muscles will burn like crazy, but eventually your tendons will get strong enough and you'll learn to relax and align your body well enough so that you can, you can actually start to let go. Um, so I started with 60 seconds and, and I constantly work on relaxing my muscles, breathing into my belly. And in my in my opinion, in my personal experience, this is like a it's like meditating times 10. Um, because you're integrating your body, you're integrating the flow of energy to it. Um, and this this is the meditation that really changed my life and allowed me to start turning my life around in practical ways. So I wrote the book on it because I I love writing and I think this stuff is super cool. Um, and I want to teach this stuff and because very few people know about this, like even today, it's like yoga is everywhere and that's great, but it's just like, I'm thinking to myself, you know, Taoism is super cool too. And hardly anyone knows about it. So I'm going to plant a flag in the ground and I'm going to write about it. And I'm going to tell everyone I can about it because it changed my life. And I think it can have tremendous benefits. Um, for for lots of other people.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So kind of you to be able to do that. You have a really great writing style and make things really easy to understand, which I really appreciate. Um oh, thanks. It, I, I hope you answer this question correctly. Is there is there an importance on either footwear or the surface that you should be connected to?
1: Yeah. Um ideally you will be as close to barefoot as possible. Perfect. This is yeah it's not, and it's not always practical, but um I and I and if I'm not barefoot, I love like really minimalist shoes. Um I'm I happen to just wear a pair of lems right now. Um and there's there's some other really good ones out there that I just I just haven't tried yet. And ideally you want to be as physically close to the earth as possible. Um like in like in the in your bottom floor of your home would be great. Now that being said, um I, I went through some of the greatest changes that I did um, while living in an apartment, uh, uh, at one point, six stories up or nine stories up or more. So, and anywhere is fine. Like, it's not like that's ideal, but it's really about doing the practice, but as close to the earth as possible. And from there, you know, it it could be pretty intuitive. You want to be in a nice, quiet environment. Um, and, uh, I also really like locking the door behind me when I do it, because then psychologically, I absolutely know without a doubt that I can't be disturbed, which helps me relax a lot more.
0: Mm, Yeah, I love that, that's great. And you recommend about a minute to get started and then just slowly add time over time?
1: Yeah, because here's the thing, without even realizing it, I'd kind of stumbled into uh, a secret to building a a good habit into your life. And even taking advantage of if you have a negative habit, because I like I said, I was drinking every morning. So I was just like, all right, I got to pick a time to do some meditation. I'm going to do it first thing in the morning after I shower, but before I drink. So I was very, it's very practical minded <laughs> in that sense. It's like, all right, fine. I, I Yeah, I started with 60 seconds because it was just so tough on my legs and I wanted to build up my strength. So I added five seconds a day because I'm like, you know. My legs probably won't know the difference between 60 and 65 seconds, but I'm—I know my body will adapt. So I added five seconds every day. Now, as time went on, I got more confident, and I was actually able to add more time. Um, I started adding like 30 seconds at a time, let's say. And here's what was cool: even though I started with 60 seconds, I was building that habit, and I was doing it every single day at a certain time in my in my daily routine. So I started to ingrain, like within my my mind, my brain, that this was a part of my daily routine, and eventually it became part of my identity. It would have feel it would feel weird if I stopped. It would feel uncomfortable, and because I felt so good from doing it, I, I was actually able to let go of the next step, which was drinking. The next step in the sequence. So it was kind of a cool way to use a bad habit to imprint a good one. Um, so yeah, I recommend anyone who, especially if you struggle with with developing new habits, it's not a matter of how long you do it per day. It's, it's picking that time in your schedule, your routine, to do it every day until it becomes part of your identity. Then it's like, well, how much time do you want to add? Now you're unstoppable.
0: Yeah, that's, we could not agree more. I think those small habits done consistently and evenly, just you're, you have no idea. I mean, perfect. Let's take it from the Tao Te Ching. One, a, a, a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. And so yeah, it's so important just to get started in whatever you're doing and start where you are and use the tools that you have and be resourceful and just know that over time, this will compound and you're going to end up with something that's far greater than you could ever even imagine. Yeah, you mentioned breathing earlier. This is a topic that keeps coming up over and over and over. We could talk about it for hours and hours. Tell us a little bit about like what are the what are the components of proper breathing, and then if you would like, what are some of your favorite tactics to teach yourself to breathe properly and make sure that you are breathing properly? Sure.
1: Uh, A really great way to start is to place one hand on your belly, like right over your your navel, your belly button, and place another hand on your chest. So the idea when you want to get into a a more relaxed state, a more calm, focused state, is when you breathe, make sure that hand on your belly rises up and rises down. Um, And the hand on your chest ideally will uh, remain still. So I also like to use sort of the metaphor of of filling up a swimming pool and the swimming pool is your torso. Now, when you fill up a swimming pool, the water is going to pool at the bottom first, and then it'll rise up. Now, when you drain the swimming pool, it's where it's going to leave the top first. And eventually the final bit of water to leave will be at the bottom. That's just how it works. Use that with your breath. Your belly fills first and you, the and your belly collapses last um this way your lungs are getting fully expanded because they expand downward the whole idea is that you you're you're activating your diaphragm and in fact your lungs are empty sacs you in order to fill them you actually have a diaphragm a muscle that needs to activate that pushes downward so that a vacuum is created so that your lungs fill. Now, when people breathe from the tops of their chest, that is a panic breath. Now, here's the thing. I bet a lot of people who have tried deep breathing before felt uncomfortable, and didn't like it. Um, here's the thing. At first, it's gonna feel strange because when you start breathing deeply, you're gonna start giving all your internal organs a massage your stomach is going to get a massage, your spleen and pancreas, your liver, uh, even your heart. So this can inspire uh, feelings of panic and discomfort because it's not the sort of quick, shallow breaths that someone is used to having. So as a result, they might think something is wrong, but actually you're adapting to a wonderful new habit and it's going to feel comfortable. Eventually, you just have to get through that uh, kind of Discomfort. It's almost like I, I've never uh, been addicted to smoking cigarettes, but I imagine it's, it's a a good metaphor for that would be when you first quit smoking, you feel like the withdrawal, but you're actually doing a good thing. Now, from there, um, it's not just a matter of breathing your, into your belly and having your belly expand. You actually want to imagine expanding from all angles um, in, from your belly area. Now, Anatomically, it might not be as pronounced as the, your, the front of your belly, but you also want to imagine that um, you're expanding uh, into your tailbone, expanding into the sides of your hips, or just over them. It's kind of like you've got this ball of energy in your belly, and whenever you breathe, it it gets bigger. Um, and you're not forcing anything. You know, you do it in a relaxed way. Um, and one, And actually, one more thing. Uh, I just I felt compelled to like, you know, give your listeners like an added extra cool secret. When a lot of people do this, they'll be like, if you tell them, Hey, take, take a full deep breath, they'll go. Okay. And what happens is they, even if they breathe into your belly, their shoulders will pop up. So also keep your shoulders relaxed throughout the inhale. And this is going to be challenging, but this is, uh. This is key to going into stressful situations and not being rattled because once you carry this over into your day-to-day life, you'll have like a newfound storehouse of calm confidence.
0: It's pretty amazing the benefits that you can gain from doing some of these practices. I we interviewed James Nestor a few months ago and in preparation for that I you know it was doing some of his drills and was a little bit more diligent about mouth taping. And you're right, like it's pretty uncomfortable in the beginning. It's a little shocking too like seeing your bolt score how long you can kind of hold your breath without having a strong desire to take another breath was only like a few seconds. And I I mm-hmm. you know consider myself to be fairly healthy and fit and whatever. And I, yeah, it, it was really low. And to like, hold your breath for a minute while walking, um, to do mouth taping again, some of these practices to really, you know, breathe through the nose and use the diaphragm. Like you explained so well, it, it, it really just carries over into so many different areas in life. And, and you're right. It is so much easier to be calm and cool and collected when you're breathing in that way. Just stress just doesn't really have the same effect on you. Another thing that really surprised me, I've heard you talk about this before, is the position of the tongue in the mouth was quite different than what I'd ever experienced before and different than I would have expected. What is the proper position of the tongue in the mouth when you are practicing proper breathing?
1: That's a good question. Um, Really, really the the full answer is it uh, depends on what you're doing. But that being said, cause I mean, we could, we could go, we could geek out the, on this tremendously. Like the Taoists had different tongue positions for different meditations and different oh, wow. exercises. Yeah. Um, however, the good news is they, they have like a standard one, um, which is ba- the, the essence is, you know, keep your tongue um, against the roof of your mouth. Um, the way I like to teach this uh, is to say the word love 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 la la, la 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 notice how to start the word la, 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 you touch your tongue kind of uh, on the top of your mouth right behind your teeth um this is a good resting position uh now i'm not an expert on like what is best for like sports or or what what activates like you know the someone to lift the heaviest weight because i know there's research on that but i do know that the Taoist is when it comes to um having like the energy circuits of your body connected, um, and the energy flowing through your meridians, they say, keep it on the roof of your uh, roof of your mouth at all times. Um, and this is especially important when meditating, because it's just another way to make sure that the energy goes down and you're not like, uh, building up like energy in your head and thinking more and thinking more and thinking more. Um, so that, that is, that is, is that's my uh, guideline where it's just like, Hey, you can't really go wrong with that. Mm. Um, so yeah, keep it on the roof for your mouth.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And I find that's where it just naturally ends up. I don't have to think about it anymore. That's just where it is. And that's, again, it's very different, but it's crazy. Like it makes your teeth feel different. You can take better breaths into <laughs> the nose, like I'm less stuffy. I never snore. Like it's, it's pretty life-changing. Um, really wanted to ask you just out of curiosity like what other physical practices do you incorporate in your life besides the standing meditation is there anything you like to do for exercise
1: yeah i'm loving kettlebells um good absolutely answer loving good answer <laughs> okay love them uh, actually you'll find this especially fascinating because um everything i just described about the standing meditation uh how you relax and how um it comes down to like grounding into the earth the basic two arm kettlebell swing is actually tremendously effective for assisting in that. Um, because it helps train your body to be relaxed when you're finished with the movement. Um, um uh, my teacher's actually a and they are super into kettlebells, most, not all of them. Uh, some just are, are not into, um, weight training, but, but those that are, are super into kettlebells. Um, and it's and it's a actually it's a really a beautiful Taoist metaphor because I mean I I I'm just speaking from uh, my training of them. It goes into the principle of the middle. When you train with a kettlebell, especially kettlebell swing, you don't train until your muscles are just burning and spasming, and you're ready to throw up because you're so exhausted. Because of the swing movement, you have to actually stop before you lose a certain amount of strength because you can't do the momentum of the swing. You're literally not able to swing fast enough. Um, it's not like pumping, uh, like out reps on a bench press where you're grinding that last rip out with a swing. If you do that, you're not able to complete the movement. So you have to stop short. Um, and I think that's just a, yet another example from the Tao Te Ching about how the middle path is best. Um, so yeah, that's what I like to do. And other than that right now, um, I just love walking and I, I, I like those kind of three pillars. You have a movement, a heavy, hard movement. You have a super relaxed, like gentle movement, um, and stillness. If you have all three, um, you've got a really great, uh, complete system.
0: That's perfect. We couldn't agree more, especially with the walking well, kettlebell swings are probably one of my top three or four favorite exercises. I think they're a wonderful thing to include. You don't have to start out super heavy, you know, make sure you're getting somebody to teach you how to do it because you can't do it wrong and goof yourself up. But yeah, it is a really fun movement. I I really love that. and love that you went there with that, man. So you've had, you've had quite the life, (laughs) quite the lives. Um, when you look back on everything you've gone through, what did, what are you the most proud of at this point?
1: Oh, that's a really cool question. You know, what I'm most proud of is the fact that I, I started this meditative practice when everything else had failed for me. And here's the thing: it wasn't a fairy tale from there. Um, in fact, I, I didn't—I didn't mention it earlier. But so, what happened after I started this meditative practice is something that happens to a lot of people when they get on a spiritual path, and that is my life actually seemed to get more chaotic. I had a business partnership with uh, two other guys that I met um, that we had a falling out. We started arguing more and more, and they actually cut me out of the business. I literally woke up one day and and tried logging into our online software for like our email account and our shopping cart, and the passwords had been changed. Wow. Um, and they, yeah, I I, d- I did not have access to the bank account. I thought about like, well, what what are my legal options? And I was just like, this is not worth it. It wasn't like it was this massively successful business either. We were still kind of in the startup phase. So I'm like, this isn't worth it. So I just calmly, you know, let let them go, you know, mentally and emotionally, I let them go, which is a lot different from what the younger me would have done. I probably would have gotten very angry and dwelled on it. Um, so I let that go. But the thing is, I was still in a tremendous, remember, I was still in a tremendous amount of debt. It's like we were talking about, I was like six figures in debt. Um so I realized two things, by the way, all my income dried up, like all my business efforts were just crashing and burning. So I realized I need to get a job. Um, and I'm probably going to have to go bankrupt because even the minimum payments that these debt collectors are demanding, I, I just can't mathematically you know, meet them. I can't do it. So I actually hopped on Craigslist, and I thought to myself, speaking of like Taoism, embracing like simplicity and patience, I thought to myself, okay, what is a job I'm qualified for that is not going to be that hard? Like, I don't want to like study for three years or four years to like go down a career path that ultimately I don't want to get stuck in. You know, I only have so many mental resources and so much time. What can I just dive into? I can get in, get out, cover my rent and food, and still work on some kind of a business venture. So I found a job. And it was for spinning signs on the street corner. And the ad is just like full time. You start at 10 bucks an hour. And I'm like sold. And you can listen to music. I'm like double sold because I can listen to audiobooks. So I actually went in, I interviewed and they asked me like two questions and I got the job. And I thought to myself, I, I was like oh, I'll just do this for like three months, you know? Da, 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 da. And it was this beautiful moment because the interviewer asked me, It's like, you're okay wearing costumes, right? And I'm just like chuckling to myself on the inside because talk about a perfect humbling experience. It's like, this is like something out of a freaking TV show. So I'm like, oh yeah, I can wear costumes, no problem. And I'm like laughing because I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. And if any of like these people from high school or college saw me, they'd think, oh my God, this dude's a trade wreck. This is an absolute trade wreck. So I started this job and it was, it was awesome. I got to listen. I listened, the first one I listened to was a Steve Jobs biography and I'm twirling my freaking sign and I'm able to stand out there all day because I built up so much rep standing you know, in a meditative state originally that I was able to actually do and enjoy myself. And it was beautiful. And I'd have people like honking and flipping me off and screaming the most vile things at me. Um, so One time, I mean, I when I could, I'd take my shoes off. One time, this like junior high school kid ran up and grabbed one of my shoes. And I'm like, I'd like, yeah, like try to reach out and grab the shoe. I'm like, give me back my shoe, kid. And he takes a whiff of it and sniffs it. And it's just like, oh, that smells good. And then hands it back to me. I'm like, I'm like what, what planet am I on right now? So it was perfect though. Because this was like the, this was like life giving me a chance to start over. And I did go bankrupt. Um, And I wiped out like, I don't know, it's like $100,000 worth of debt. But because of the law in the US at the time, I had some recent tax debt that I could not get rid of. So I still walked out of there with over $50,000 of debt hanging over my head. Um, I make it like 10 bucks an hour. They gave me a raise, by the way. I got to like $10 and 25 cents. (laughs) Nice. And it was, but it was great because I got to do the simple things. Like there's, that was philosophy where it's just like, Hey, you know, chop wood, carry water. You know, that's what you do before enlightenment, after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Now I didn't get enlightened. Um, but I was scrubbing toilets. I was squeegeeing the windows and I was learning to just be a functional adult. Uh, and that was exactly what I needed. And it was so beautiful and i i you know i was like oh i'll be a sign spinner for 3 months i actually worked at that company for like 3 years wow. and mostly as a sign spinner <laughs> uh so, so you asked me what am i most proud of i'm most proud of the fact that i just went through that weird journey and 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 took note of the lessons the entire time um because i kind of i just had a feeling the whole time it's like at some point i'm going to talk about this so I better soak this up and actually cherish it as much as I can. Um, and I did, and I'm proud I did because again, talk about patience over the years, I was actually able to dive back into business, not necessarily as a business owner at first, but I had learned enough about marketing and advertising and writing that I was actually able to, um, do contract work, writing and, and doing a written advertising copy, uh, for businesses. So it was kind of funny how all the challenges I went through ended up giving me the skills I needed to thrive in the way I was was meant to. And now in this next phase of my life, um, I want to actually write more books and teach. So everything was setting me up for um, the next phase of my life perfectly. And I think it's true for everyone. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be pain-free. It does mean that you're being handed lessons uh for your inner growth um and if, if you're on a spiritual walk it's probably going to be an even more painful growth but um it's it's so so worth it in the end that's amazing
0: what a beautiful story that could not be more Taoist if it tried i absolutely right. love that it's so amazing somebody somebody is listening to this and they have no clue what the hell you're talking about what Taoism is they'd never heard of it, standing meditation, they have never heard of it. What is one simple tip you would like to leave for that person who is, hasn't discovered this world yet?
1: I mean, really what we talked about with the deep breathing is a, is a great foundation to start with. That would be the one simple tip and do it. Pick a time in the morning after a certain activity. Like it could be after you brush your teeth. It could be after you step out of the shower and, and choose that as your time where it's like, all i right, right, I'll, I'll do this 10 times. And do it every day and then see where that takes you. That's the one tip. The other tip, of course, would be like, you know, read my book. But yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm a little
0: biased. I'm a little biased. Hey, both tips are valid. Nate Rifkin, yeah. we have had such an amazing conversation. Um, where would you like people go to find you and to find your work and to find the book?
1: Um, best way is the website thestandingmeditation.com. It's the title of my book, The Standing Meditation. And right now that'll forward you right to the, the page on Amazon. It's if you see the big red book, you're in the right place. Um, and honestly, that's that is the absolute best way to go, because I wrote that book as if I could travel back in time and hand it to myself. Mm-hmm. So I can't do that. But the next best thing is if anyone's just like, what the heck, how do I begin? Where do I get started and, and tell me some crazy stories to inspire me? That that
0: is the book to go with. Awesome. I love that. Nate Rifkin, thank you again so much for everything that you've experienced and gone through in your life, for finding wisdom in turning a sign and chop wood, carry water. Those, th- those <laughs> lessons are so important. And if you can find joy and happiness and growth and learning in those things, you can do it in, in pretty much any phase of life. And so we're just, we're so grateful for you and your work. Um, author of the book, the Standing Meditation, Excel in a Modern World Using an Ancient Practice. Nate Rifkin, thank you so much for everything you do. And thank you for coming on our show today. We really appreciate it.
1: Oh, you know, I was honored to be here, Casey. Thank you.
0: It was our pleasure. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio.